Hello, my name's Pippa Ford and I'm one of the clergy here at Christchurch. It was actually quite emotional for me today coming back into the church building after some time away and I know that many of us are really feeling that lack of being able to come and gather together in this building. But we are still called to be God's spirit-filled church wherever we are and that's what we're looking at today in our passage from Acts. But first, I'd like to take us back to those times when we could go away on holiday. And one year, we went away on holiday in France. And we went to a cottage, and in the cottage, there was a welcome basket like this. And in the welcome basket, there was a jar of apricot jam. There was some delicious French brie. A very nice bottle of wine. And then finally, a wonderful baguette. Now, those who are steely-eyed amongst you might recognise this is not a baguette. This is a ciabatta, but it was the best I had. Now, I wonder, out of all of those, which one of you, you would have uh, chosen to eat first? Maybe put it in the chat and let's see which one comes out on top. For me, it was the bread, of course. Sorry to those who are restricted to a gluten-free diet, but I cannot resist a freshly baked warm baguette. Now, you might be forgiven for thinking that I've lost the plot and why am I reminiscing about bread at the beginning of my talk? Well, let's listen to Mark as he reads our reading from Acts and then all will become clear. Our reading today is from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. The Fellowship of the Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. This passage we've just heard shows us the effects of Pentecost. That day when the Holy Spirit came and filled the disciples and those around them. The effect of Pentecost is seen here as we get a glimpse of what a spirit-filled church should be like. Often we say that Pentecost is the church's birthday. But actually if church is defined as the people of God, then Perhaps it goes back over 4,000 years to the time of Abraham. But then what happened at Pentecost is actually that the Israelite remnant of God's people who turned back towards God through Jesus became the first spirit-filled body of Christ. Now, an interesting fact for you. Did you know that bread is mentioned at least 492 times in the Bible, beginning in the very first book, Genesis, and continuing right the way through to the end with Revelation? 
So my question to you today as we explore this passage from Acts is, are you hungry for more? Wherever you are on your journey of faith, whether you're right at the beginning or you've not even started yet, are you ready to learn about the bread that God offers for each of our journeys and for us as a church? Do have some of your bread to eat as you listen and we discover together how God needs bread into every part of our lives as faith, as his spirit-filled church. Now, this passage in Acts highlights the four marks of a spirit-filled church, which is what we hope we are at Christ Church, but we know that we need to grow and develop in this as well. And these four marks are the apostles' teaching, shared common life or fellowship, breaking bread together, and prayer. And we need all of these in balance to be a healthy church. Now, I bet some of you are thinking, I've spotted the bread connection. Yippee! Well, hold your horses, not quite so fast. Let's look first at the apostles' teaching, the first mark. Without spirit-filled teaching, we can only look to the surrounding culture and worldview. And this is especially the case in the face of a pandemic. There are many people at the moment searching for truth in what seems like a sea of untruth. But who were those apostles? Well, they were the people who had walked with Jesus, had seen him die, knew he had been raised to life by the power of the Holy Spirit, and then they'd watched as he had ascended into God's heavenly reality in a cloud. They were spirit-filled at Pentecost and empowered to teach, and this power was shown by the accompanying signs and wonders. So a spirit-filled church is a learning church. The Holy Spirit had, in effect, opened a school in Jerusalem that day at Pentecost with 3,000 in the kindergarten, just at those first stages of learning. And those there were gathered, sat at the apostles' feet. It must have been pretty crowded. But they were hungry for teaching. Can you sense the bread connection coming? Let's just think for a moment about Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days. He quoted something about bread, didn't he? He quoted some of the book of Deuteronomy. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. The words that we have from God are recorded in the Bible. It is there to nourish us, but we have to open it and read it. God gives us free will to never read any of it. But if we truly want to experience his grace, and find eternal life, we must eat his bread. That's where the meat and the nutrients are that keep us spiritually alive. David even declared in the Old Testament in Psalm 63, my soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. We need every word that comes from God to sustain and nourish us. But then too, at the start of John's gospel in the Bible, we read, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So the word Jesus was the physical embodiment of God's holy word. He and the word were one in the same. So we know that the Bible feeds us spiritually. We need the nourishment from God's word. It sustains us. And in this passage from Acts, where the apostles were teaching, they were teaching God's word with power because they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. And so as we listen to teaching and preaching and as we read the Bible ourselves, we must ask to be full of the Spirit, as well as using our intellect and even perhaps studying theology, as only then will we be led into truth. So the first mark of a Spirit-filled church is Spirit-empowered feeding on the bread of God's Word. As we look at this image of Rublev's icon, we can know that the second mark of a spirit-filled church is fellowship. All of those who believed came together. They gathered together and had loving fellowship. The Greek word for fellowship is koinonia, which means common. They shared a common life around a shared belief in Jesus. They loved each other, were devoted to each other and looked after each other. And then from that place, they reached out to those around them, which is what Phil is going to talk to us about next week. But fellowship is at the heart of our faith because we share in God together. Our fellowship is with the Trinity of Father, Son and Holy Spirit. As we look at this image known as Rublev's icon, it's interpreted as an icon of the Trinity. And in this fellowship of the Trinity, we see them seated at a table and there's a gentle invitation to come and participate in that intimate conversation that is taking place. The Trinity is the fellowship that's at the heart of a spirit-filled church. Koinonia is a Trinitarian experience. And the Holy Spirit is the embodiment of spiritual unity, peace, harmony, mutual love, and humility. And these are the marks of our fellowship together, not just saying that we love one another, but demonstrating it by peace, humility, and harmony. And yet, at the moment, we cannot meet as gathered church together, so we are missing this fellowship, and that can become a source of sadness or frustration for us at this time. But instead of getting stuck in our frustration, I wonder how our perspective would change if we asked the Holy Spirit to help us to focus more on what the opportunities are at this time. So let's go back to the passage. There were 3,000 new believers in this first spirit-filled church. And so it was no wonder they met in the temple when they gathered. That was the only place where there was enough room for them. I doubt they could have met in that number if they needed to be socially distanced. But then also, how else did they meet? Well, it says that they met in each other's homes. They understood that there needed to be deep relational fellowship where they could grow in humility, peace and harmony by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Because without fellowship like this, it's hard to sustain a living faith. And it's no coincidence that in this image, the Trinity are gathered around a table, a table of fellowship. And in our passage, we heard that they broke bread in their various houses and ate their food with glad and sincere hearts. This joyful practice of breaking bread at home is evidence that life in the spirit should not only be interpreted as the Lord's Supper, but it also recalls that devout Jews who all in this first spirit church were, would share meals together as symbolic of their social and spiritual solidarity. Sharing a meal together, breaking bread together, is doing life together, telling stories and encouraging one another as we eat. Jesus modelled this as he often broke bread with his disciples. There are many gospel accounts of him sharing a meal with others. Think of Zacchaeus or at Lazarus's house. And even his first miracle in the wedding at Cana, I'm sure there was lots of bread there to eat. And then after his resurrection, as he walked with the disciples on the Emmaus Road, it was only when he broke bread with them that their eyes and their hearts were truly open to see who he was. I wonder when we've been breaking bread with others, have we always realised that Jesus is amongst us? And of course, in our current situation, we are very limited in our ability to meet with others to do this. But actually, our God is a creative God, and I am sure there are many new ways we could continue to do this at this time. Perhaps all sharing a Zoom call as you eat a meal as friends together or having a meeting of up to six in your garden and sharing food together. And of course, if you live with others in your household, making time to ensure that you eat together, to share life together. So the second mark of a spirit-filled church is fellowship around the table, with the Trinity and with each other, sharing bread with one another. But then the third mark of a spirit-filled church takes this breaking of bread to a deeper level. Bread is nourishment for the body and is part of our fellowship together, but Jesus offers spiritual bread that feeds our spiritual lives. It brings our souls to life and offers a way to salvation. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which translates as the house of bread. Also in Hebrew, alphanumerically, it also means nativity, the occasion of a person's birth. So the place of Jesus' nativity is in the house of bread. It's a place of life. Jesus said he is the bread of life, which means forgiveness and freedom. When we go to Jesus to accept God's forgiveness of our sins, we see again how God feeds our souls with something we must have to spiritually survive. His bread is the only kind that leads to eternal life. 
It's why during the Last Supper, Jesus took the unleavened bread and broke it to symbolize his broken body and his death on the cross for our behalf. And that is why we use bread in our communion together to remember Jesus's work of salvation and redemption on the cross and to praise him for his constant presence and faithfulness. And so this first spirit-filled church in Acts were the first gathered church to have broken bread to remember Jesus's sacrifice for the world. And it is with great sadness for us at this time that we are not able to come together physically and to break bread in this way. And also, sadly, when we have permission to gather in the future, the way we are able to celebrate communion together might look radically different to what we have done in the past. But actually, that's just practicalities. As God's Holy Spirit is unchanging, it is the same Spirit that filled that first church who is amongst each one of us here today. And that Spirit brings unity, however dispersed we feel. And so I would encourage you, whether you are alone at home or there with others, to pick up your bread, to prepare to break it as I break mine, trusting that the Holy Spirit will unite us as we remember Jesus' sacrifice for us. As in that first spirit-filled church, they broke bread in their various houses and ate their food with glad and sincere hearts. They broke bread in order to return to the upper room with Jesus, to remember that Jesus' death and resurrection are the centre of everything. So let's pick up our bread. Let's break it. Let's eat it together. Each one of us saying in our own homes, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Unite us in worship of Jesus, recalling to mind his death for us and his resurrection life available to each one of us through your power. And let's eat some bread together. So then let's ask the Spirit to fill us afresh with his joy and for him to turn our hearts back to worship of Jesus. Let's let go of our striving to return to our previous ways at this time and allow him to meet us in the reality of now. So the third mark of a spirit-filled church is one that breaks bread together in whatever way the Holy Spirit makes possible. To remember and to worship God with joy for the restored relationship that we have with him through Jesus' death and resurrection. And then lastly, the fourth mark of a spirit-filled church is prayer. Waiting on that Holy Spirit, allowing him to point them back and back again into the embrace of the Father and the Son. 
I'm sure as they gathered, they would have prayed using the Lord's Prayer, saying as part of it, give us today our daily bread. That is a prayer asking for God's provision in the reality of their circumstances and calls to mind the provision of God for the Israelites in the wilderness through daily manna. He knew his people's survival depended upon it. And we are really dependent on God's provision for our survival today. And it's not just through the food we eat. Think about what's happening at this time. God provides necessary medicines. He provides those working in the NHS. He provides finance for us, transport, good friends to lean on, and so much more. So when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are reminded that God, Jehovah Jireh, has already promised to provide what we need day in and day out without fail. He is always faithful. But also let's remember what Jesus said to his disciples. I can guarantee this truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. Jesus was referring to himself as the true bread from heaven. This makes the Lord's Prayer a little clearer. When we ask God to give us our daily bread, we are asking for his provision. But much more importantly, we are asking that he would come and fill us up again with his everlasting grace. We need bread and God's provision to physically live, but God's bread of forgiveness, Jesus, enables us to, physics, to spiritually live. So the fourth mark of the Spirit-filled church is one that prays with confidence that God will provide for us as his church, giving us our daily bread, but more importantly, that he will sustain us each day with his Holy Spirit, pointing us to Jesus and the fullness of life that we can have in him. Bread is nourishment for the body, but Jesus offers spiritual bread that feeds our spiritual lives. It brings our souls to life and offers a way to salvation. Bread can symbolize many things in the Bible, but what it points to most is Jesus himself. He is the bread we must all take in if we truly want to find physical, spiritual and eternal life. So as we finish and we think about those four marks, the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking bread and prayer, I want to encourage us as God's spirit-filled church now by taking a moment to reflect on the feeding of the 5,000. There were 5,000 gathered on the shores of Lake Galilee and they were listening to Jesus's spirit-filled teaching contrasted here with the 3,000 listening to the apostles' spirit-filled teaching, that first mark of a spirit-filled church. Then those 5,000 people were hungry, and Jesus asked the disciples to feed them. At that point, the disciples were not spirit-filled, and they did not have the ability to feed 5,000. So Jesus, who was spirit-filled, fed the crowd with the miraculous multiplication of fishes and bread from the little boy. 
But in our passage in Acts, the second mark of the spirit-filled church is fellowship, the sharing of bread and provision together. And this time, this was accompanied by miracles. We hear that there were signs and wonders. Then going back to the 5,000, Jesus broke the bread before sharing it. The third mark of a spirit-filled church is one that joyfully breaks bread together to remember Jesus' death and resurrection and that they are the centre of everything. And then, of course, we remember that Jesus gave thanks to God and prayed before sharing the food with the 5,000. And the fourth mark of the spirit-filled church is one that prays and gives thanks for the provision of the bread of life, Jesus. So Jesus had laid down the pattern of what it is to be a spirit-filled church at the feeding of the 5,000. But at that point, he was the only one who was spirit-filled. Now, after Pentecost, the apostles and the newly formed spirit-filled church could truly follow this pattern, empowered and enabled by the Spirit to joyfully proclaim that fullness of life is found in Jesus, the bread of life. And that is our calling too, as his Spirit-filled and empowered church. Whether we are gathered or whether we have to remain scattered for a time, that we can joyfully proclaim that Jesus is the bread of life. Amen.